night. And we ask you to work in our lives and to give us strength and to keep us in your service. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And would First John, First John, and uh, we have been going through First John on Sunday nights, uh, but uh, just because of uh, things, Andrew uh, needed to be here to lead the choir practice and things. So I preach for Brother Palman Sunday night, and then this Sunday night uh, we will be on the road, and so. Uh, I was hoping to at least get through chapter 1 before we head to Oklahoma City. And uh, not going to promise you we're going to do that, but I, I think we can get through the last uh, four verses here. In fact, let's just read the entire chapter. Uh, it's been a little while. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, this is the first chapter. First John, the first epistle general of John, is one of those books in the Bible that you, you just have to study if you're going to live for Christ. Uh, oftentimes, people will have doubts about their salvation, and they'll say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I say, well, let me, uh, let me give you a prescription for that. If you're having issues with understanding your own salvation, what you need to do is read through First John. Read through it two or three times each day for a week. And I'll tell you what, it won't take long before the Word of God begins sorting those things out. And uh, this passage here deals with the, with the most intimate and, and things that we seek the most in our lives. Uh, it never fails. If I ask a question, how many of you could use more joy in your life? Would you just raise your hand and say, testimony? okay. Uh, right there, it says that your joy might be full. Now, if your joy is full, guess what you don't have room for? Unjoy. I just invented that word. No. Uh, all of those things that steal your joy are crowded out of your life because your joy is full. 
I remember a, a man one time, and I, we'd been talking, and and he came into my office, and and uh, the issue was was smoking. It was cigarettes, and he said, "I just can't quit." Now, da 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 da, and we began to talk, and he kept going on, and how he hated them, and this, and. Uh, I called his name and I, I said, I think I, I think I found a problem here. And he said, what is that, Pastor? I said, you want to quit smoking, right? He said, yes, I do. He said, I hate it. And started going on and on again, talking about cigarettes. I said, all you have done since you've come in my office is talk about cigarettes. Is there any reason why you can't quit them? Because all of your attention is here. I said, we got to get your attention off of the cigarettes and get them on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe he'll give you a little bit of victory in this thing. Sure enough, he did. You see, we, we get our thoughts on things and we try and we... we um, Push and scrape and struggle. But the message that is in this book is so that we can have joy. And if we don't have it, then there's a problem with how we are receiving the message. Amen? It's just that simple. It says that we need to understand something that... Life is in Jesus Christ. That eternal life. This message is not something made up. Some of you remember years ago when we had uh, a man named Karma visiting. He would visit our services. He got a little tired of that real quick. The singing and, and all of those things. He was a Buddhist priest. And he wanted to learn about the Bible because he felt that it would make him a, a better priest. And and I, I kept witnessing to him about salvation and what it means to trust Jesus. And, and finally, in a little bit of frustration, maybe I said, Listen, I have told you the most incredible story in all of history. How that God took upon him human flesh and came down to earth because he loved us and paid the price for our sins on the cross through his death and rose again from the dead. I said, being a Buddhist, you don't have any problem with that. He says, oh, absolutely. He said, I've not. He said, I've, I've, I've had 10,000 lives. I said, they must have been awful short. And... Uh, I said, there's not enough time for you to have 10,000 lives. Uh, stop and think about that. And, and I said, now tell me something. Get back to the story here. Tell me something from Buddhism that begins to come close to the story of the Bible. He looked and he thought. And he says, well, he says, let me tell you a story. This happened in India. He said... There, there were men sitting by the river starving. And, and the fish in the river understood that the men were starving. And they jumped out of the river and offered themselves to be eaten by the men so they could live.
I looked at him and I said, you're, you're, you're serious, right? He says, oh, yes. I said, I've been fishing an awful lot. In fact, to those of you that have been fishing with Brother Horton know that we don't catch very many fish. We get good fellowship, get lots of encouragement. I, I, uh, I, I miss going fishing with Brother Horton. Uh, but I never went with Brother Horton to catch fish uh, because I knew there was something a whole lot more important than catching fish. But never have I ever had even one fish offer itself. Well, maybe it's because there's too much of me and they know I'm not starving. I don't know. Uh, but this was a man who was trained, who had spent his entire life studying the teachings of Buddha. And when, when he was put on the spot, that's the best story that he could come up with. And, I, and I'm sitting here, why won't you let go of that foolishness to believe in what this book talks about? I mean, is there any truth at all that you could see to that story? But the fact that God loves us and He died on the cross, that's the message, eternal life. How many people have experimented their lives away trying to find the key to the anti-aging process? Uh, there is no cure to the aging process. Uh, some say it's a cure, but it's not. Suicide is not an option. But uh, if you're not going to grow old, there's only one other option, and that's to die. Uh, I, that's my grandfather always told me, uh, don't get old. And I said, Grandpa, I said, considering the options, I'm going to try. He didn't either. He died at 92. But um, the, the truth of the matter is we look everywhere, we try everything, and what we have to understand is that if we can have fellowship with Jesus Christ, it means we have fellowship with other people. And that's where our joy comes from. You know, it's not just getting along. It's not just, and this will bring it out much, much more detail when we get to chapter 2. But it's not just shaking hands and hugging people and all of these things that people say are tokens of love. I've been places where they do all those things and there's not one bit of real love going on. Uh, I, I am not a fan of Southern hospitality. I mean, you get down there and everybody's got, oh, it's just so great to have you. I'm lying through my teeth, but I, you know, I'm going to pretend. I, I just, I just never have been for that. I, I like reality. How about you? And that's what we're going to have in heaven. It's not going to be pretend. And, then we get to verse 5. It says, this then is the message. 
okay, we are written, these, these things are written unto us so that our joy might be full. Here's the message. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And we've spent some time on this verse and we're not going to be able to redo the whole verse tonight, but uh, you just have to understand something. Light is what allows sight to happen. Isn't that correct? Now, not all light is visible light. You better be thankful that God has restricted the uh, wavelengths that the human eye perceives to a very small bandwidth uh, on the light spectrum. Otherwise, you'd be seeing all kinds of radio waves going through. You would be so distracted you wouldn't... You couldn't even walk across the room. If you could see all of the different uh, light waves that go through here, and if you um, have uh, ever uh, tried to get into night vision of some kind, uh, you can have infrared where you can see images. And now with our uh, new, the newer things that have come out in the last 15, 20 years, uh, they have light magnifiers that will take starlight on a totally dark night and make it so that you can see perfectly. We can have our helicopter pilots flying at over 200 miles an hour just feet above the treetops and the rooftops. And one guy in the cockpit, his job is to watch for unseen things. Pull it up! And they fly that low so that no one will will find them, and yet they can see perfectly. They can, in total darkness, in smoke, in, in terrible conditions, they can see everything that's going on. Now, we live in a world full of confusion. So, one of the headlines today. Worry about China, but don't panic yet. Boy, that's a nice headline. Hey, it sounds to me like whoever wrote that article has already hit the panic button. How about you, huh? Uh, I mean, there's no one knows what's going on. No one knows what will go on. Things change so fast. How many of you are old enough to remember the Berlin Wall coming down? I mean, that was that was an incredible thing. All my life, it was built before I was born. It was the barrier between the East and the West. And the president said, tear that wall down. You know what? Gorbachev didn't tear it down. But he couldn't stop the people from doing it. I got a little piece of it somewhere. Uh, I can't remember who gave it somebody anyway. I, 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 I get it out every once in a while. Just remember, hey, keep it sealed in a plastic bag. I think it's got asbestos in it or something. I don't know. Uh, but the truth in the matter is, God is light. He allows us to see and understand what we ought to be doing no matter what is going on around us. Now, as we get into the place where we're picking up with our study here, 
we're going to see this phrase repeated often in the book of John. He, he is going to give us a command. He's, he's going to give us a statement of truth, like in verse 4, These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Verse 5 is the second one. This then is the message. And the message is that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Then we see this uh, reverse phrase, or if you like big words, antithesis, antithetical statement here. If we say. If we say. It's being repeated several times through this book. It's in contrast. It's in almost argument with what God says. He's, John says, here's the message. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say, now look what it says, if we say. If we say, verse 6, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, how many people have used this book as an excuse to do some horrible thing? Oh, my goodness. The list is endless. Could I challenge you? If God is light and in Him is no darkness at all, there is nothing on these pages that is an excuse for you to do something wrong. We say amen to that. That's what John's saying here. You see, our natural response to every good thing that God has given is to argue about it. I mean, there are just some people that cannot accept anything. If you say, oh, do you like the the color uh, 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 red or maroon that our hymn books are? And they'll say, you know, that's not really maroon. Uh, and they'll come up with four or five different names. And need to get out a Pantone chart and just uh, kind of go through those numbers there. And, and you'll find the actual color. Well, you can spend the rest of your life looking for the color and trying to figure out what the name of it is. And it's uh, RGBK makeup and all of that. RGB or uh, whatever the other C-Y-N-K. Uh, whatever you want to do. I'll just call it maroon. Amen? You know what? God wants us not to sit here. The, the word is demagogue. You know, people that don't have the truth have to spend a lot of time talking about what they don't have. Do you know, that is the whole basis of this thing in the Islamic religion called jihad. You see, if you don't have the truth, you've got to do a whole lot to protect what you call the truth. You see, real truth doesn't need to be protected. Real truth protects itself. Real truth cannot be denied. When is the last time someone wrote an article on the force of gravity here on earth and how it affects people? I mean, when have the global warming people come out and say, we, we need to understand the law of gravity? 
You know what? It doesn't need explained. If you fall, it's going to be down. Unless you fall up a flight of stairs, but it's still down. Are we together? You see, if we say something that isn't true, and that's the theme that's going to be repeated often through the book of John as he gives this contrast. You see, we know about fill in the blank. Just put whatever subject you want. Put whatever person in there you want. Guess what? There's something dark about them. There's something dark about that subject because only God is light. Only God is there no darkness at all. And if we say that we're walking in the light, that that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, now look at this, it says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we will be pleasing to God. Is that what your Bible says? Some of you got to look real close to make sure, because that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But it says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship one with another. Isn't that interesting? That's the first thing that's listed. It says that if we walk in the light, as God is light, if we're walking in God, we're going to have fellowship with other people that are walking in the light. Why does it get so quiet when you say something like that? Let me tell you why. Because every one of us can think of somebody that calls themselves a Christian that we don't have really good fellowship with. That's why it gets quiet. You see, this is where it is real. You see, if we have... If we are walking in the light, the first thing that's going to happen is we are going to be drawn together and we are going to have fellowship with other people who are walking in the light. The second thing that happens here is it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's, it's, it's the second statement. You can't put it any other way. You see, our fellowship, what we call true biblical fellowship, John says in verse uh, 3 here, he said, That which we have heard, declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us. He said that we can be in agreement. One of the interesting things that has come about with uh, uh, becoming the pastor of the Union Baptist Church and trying to straighten out all these uh, legal things is we've been going through the history uh, of the church. And it's a really interesting thing. And we'll 
maybe even Sunday, I hope, have a little video we can show you that will be taken with us to Oklahoma City next week and, and uh, uh, just uh, let you see a, uh, here at least a little bit and see some of the things. We can't really take you over there and take you on a tour through the building because it's closed right now. Uh, we're only supposed to be in there to do repair work and try to get things to the point to where we can get it open again. So pray for us on that. A lot of work to be done. But um, the history of that church, it was started by Baptist people. And interesting little phrases. It said, our pastor was not ordained. And... So when he wanted to have someone baptized, they called on another ordained Baptist pastor in the area to come and do the baptizing. This was when the church was first starting. Isn't that interesting? That they believed in biblical authority to perform biblical ordinances. Sounds strangely Baptist to me. Amen? And this was written, this this history was 1850. And uh, so uh, they were just simple Baptist folks starting a church. And they called on uh, other uh, pastors until they got an ordained pastor. And, and, uh, and these things in the history of the church is really a roller coaster. I mean, up and down. It's probably about the lowest it's ever been right now. And... Uh, well, before November 19th. Now now we're breathing a little life back into the organization and trying to keep the thing going. And, and, and so, but it, it tells us here that if we walk in the light, we're going to have fellowship one with another. It says that the whole reason that we understand about Jesus is so we can have fellowship. And I guess the point I'm trying to make about that history is I'll never meet these people this side of eternity. But, but I'm reading the things that they wrote about what they did. And I say, you know what? I got a basis for fellowship with these people. Uh, I kind of like people that follow what the Bible teaches. And, and we want to save not only the church, the building, but we want to save the history of this organization as well. And... Uh, it, and so, as we, we follow here, we have to understand that if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with other believers, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I remember my mother, she did not attend a Baptist church growing up and will not name the denomination that she belonged to, but they, they preached the Bible there. It was uh, part of what is known as the holiness groups that came ab- about right after the turn of the century. And uh, and uh, she was there and she she would, uh, she related some things. She said, when I was a young Teenager, she said, uh, I was criticized very harshly by different people in the church who had claimed to reach sinless perfection. She said, the only problem was I saw what they were doing during the week. Uh, they had not reached sinless perfection. 
And that was one of the doctrines that they used to teach. And people would come in and say, I have reached a point where I no longer sin. Well, here's what the Bible says. If we say, uh, there, there's that phrase again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we think that we're not part of the problem here, when we talk about this fellowship one with another, this cleansing from our sins, we, the only person we are deceiving is ourselves. You know something? If no one else will believe your lies, you will. Because you want to. You, you like that person you see in the mirror. Uh, you feed that person every day. You spend time taking care of it and, and making them look the best that they can. Most, most of us do anyway. Uh, we like ourselves. And there's nothing good about hating yourself. But there's nothing good about pretending you're something you're not. You've got to be honest. And about, this is what verse 8 is addressing. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And you know what? Truth and lies cannot dwell together. I don't care what the politicians say. Uh, it, it doesn't work. Uh, once you add a few lies to it, it just is no longer there. But here we go back to the statement. John says, this is the message. God is light. In him is no darkness. If we say, if we're going to argue about that, we're lying but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another and we have cleansing from our sin. If we try to look at ourselves and say that we have no sin, guess what? We are judged a liar. The truth is not in us. But if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I had someone years ago ask this question. It was worded very carefully and, and well, and so I, I like to ask it. If Jesus forgave us for all of our sins on the cross, and he cleanses us from all sin when we get saved, why do we still have to confess our sins according to 1 John 1, 9? That's a pretty thoughtful question, isn't it? I mean, how many of your sins did Jesus forgive the moment you got saved? Every one of them. They're not going to be held against you. If they were, then you would have an opportunity to lose your salvation, which the Bible teaches cannot happen. I remember talking to a lady. She was a member of a very similar church to what my mother grew up in. And, uh, and I said, now listen, I said, let's just walk through this scenario here. If you'll pretend with me for a moment. I said, let's pretend that I uh, uh, irritate you to a point of losing your temper. And I, I just say some things and I uh, just act like a jerk. And I said, you're, you're angry at me and I, uh, and I keep provoking you. And uh, I said, you get so angry that you just leave the place, get in your car, and go speeding down the road. 
I said, is that not a sin? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, you blow right through a traffic light into the side of a dump truck. He said, you're in eternity. He said, you had no time to confess your anger and your sins that you just committed. Do you go to heaven or to go to hell? And she said, I go to hell. And I said, that's the difference between your religion and the Bible. You see, when you get saved, Jesus forgives you for every sin. Amen? You never stop being his son. Isn't that a wonderful thought? But I'll tell you what you do lose. You lose the joy that he talked about in verse 4. You lose the light that he talked about in verse 5. You lose the fellowship that he talked about in verse 7. That's why you need to confess your sins. Because it's the process that God has given us to purge not only our lives, but our conscience. And to bring those sins to God and to ask for His forgiveness. Amen? This is something God has given us. The, the whole realm of psychology and psychoanalysis and all of these things is to deal with a thing called guilt. Uh, they have a lot of different names for it. They call it fear and they call it hate and they call it this and they call it that. But really what it's all about is this thing called guilt. How do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of that terrible feeling inside? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm not even going to charge you 300 bucks an hour for that. Amen? I wouldn't charge you for something that Jesus paid for. That would be dishonest now, wouldn't it? You see, this verse says, if we say we have no sin, verse 8, if we say we're not part of the problem, the best illustration I can give you is, is that of uh, a candle. How many of you have ever been in a really dark room and lit one little candle? Gives quite a bit of light, doesn't it? And the Bible says we're to take the light that God gives us, and we're to take that light into the dark world in which we live. Amen? But if I took that candle and we brought the screen down, and I set that candle up here on top of the pulpit, you would see the candle reflected in the screen. Now, if I took a 500 watt or a 1000 watt halogen a flood lamp, and put in front of that candle, what would you see on the screen? You would see the light from the lamp totally obliterating the light from the candle, number one. You would see the shadow of the pulpit because the light doesn't pass through the pulpit. You would see the shadow of the candle because light doesn't pass through the candle. How many of you know where I'm going with this? But you're going to see the shadow of the flame. Because there's soot and particles from the burning of the wax and the wick in the flame that will block the light going through the actual flame. 
You see, that's the difference between God's light and your light. Amen? And that's why if we say we have no sin, we, we deceive ourselves. I've had couples come in and they say, Pastor, our marriage isn't what it's ought to be. Can, can you help us? She said, sure. I said, I, I believe I can uh, give you some biblical counsel and really be a help. First thing I want to know, I want you to understand is that both of you are wrong. And you usually see one of them go, that's not true. It's all him. Now, being the kind and compassionate pastor that I am, I had one couple in my office one time and I said, now listen, I, uh, I looked at her and I said, if I believed everything you said about your husband, I would have to believe that he's the devil incarnate. She goes, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I said, there's only one problem with this. And I looked at him. I said, because if I believed everything you said about her, I'd have to believe that she's the devil incarnate. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, there's only one problem. There's only one devil. And so both of you are so wrong. But you can only see other people's wrong. And until you start seeing your wrong, you're never going to have the blessings that God wants you to have. We say amen to that. You see, that's what this whole passage is about. We often quote it when we mess up. If we confess our sins, okay, God, I got angry and I said all those things that I shouldn't have said, so I confess them all and I want you to take them away. Yeah, there's an application there. That's something that we ought to do. But the context is the message. The message is God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light, guess what? We have fellowship one with another, meaning that I'm not doing terrible things to break my fellowship with other believers. But if I try to pretend that I'm not the bad guy, that I'm not the person doing the wrong things, the only person I'm deceiving is myself. And I'm pushing the truth out of my life. But if I open my eyes, but you don't understand, they did so many wrong things and I only did one little wrong thing. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then comes that last phrase. I read a commentary. It said, it's just restating what has already been said and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And I, I've never believed that and I refuse to believe that. Because how many of you have ever done something wrong that you didn't know was wrong? Now, how many sins does it take to go to hell? Just one. But everybody here just said they did things wrong that they didn't even know was wrong when they did it. It took a while to figure it all out. You see, when I confess what I know is wrong in my life, 
That gives God the opportunity to show me other wrong things. And frankly, there are many things that I'm just not spiritual enough, you're not spiritual enough to even see. But God sees them. And when we take care of what we know and what we understand in attempt to have the fellowship that we ought to have with other believers and with Jesus Christ himself, he takes care of the things that we're not even mindful of. You see, that spiritual maturity is growing to the point to where you become mindful of many of these things that God has no opportunity except to, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, until they grow up enough to realize that behavior needs to be altered. Amen? we got one more verse, one more minute. Two minutes, okay. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Here's that. If we say again, three times in these last four verses here, five verses. You know, we love to justify ourselves. Isn't that true? That is human nature. You know, I've heard all of this. I'm I'm just tired of hearing. I'm going to take responsibility for my behavior. I'm just so tired of hearing politicians say that. You know who's going to take responsibility for their behavior? We are, because we've got to pay the bills. (laughs) I mean, that's just the way it is. They waste all this money. I mean, they're not going to take any responsibility for anything. It's a lie. There's only one place you can take responsibility for your behavior. That's at the foot of the cross. That's if we confess our sins. You know what? You cannot expect other people to forgive you. That's something they have to deal with between them and God. And if they're not going to deal with it, you can't make them deal with it. You just can't do it. You cannot change other people's hearts. But you sure better make sure things are right in yours. That's what this passage is dealing with. That's what it's talking about. When we have struggles, when we have bumps in our fellowship, let me tell you something. The natural result of being saved and walking in the light, remember, He is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He said, these things I've written unto you that your joy might be full. Everybody before the service raised their hands. Mine was up too. I could use more joy in my life. Okay, wait a minute. You know what our problem is? If I am truly fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, and you are truly fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, you can't help yourself. You've got to love me. 
and I've got to love you. You know why? Because God is love. And if you're attached to God in a love relationship and another human being is the same, you got fellowship. You're lined up. Well, why do we have so many problems with fellowship? Because we say we have no sin. We say it's his fault. It's her fault. It's not my fault. Whoa, wait a minute. Because we don't confess the wrong things that are in our life. Now, does that mean people don't do wrong things? Well, every day. People will hurt you. But what did Jesus say about those that offended these little ones? He said it was better that a millstone were hanged about their neck and they were cast in the sea. Remember that? What was the disciples' response to that statement that Jesus said? How many people remember? Lord, increase our faith. That was their response. What is faith? Believing God's Word. Could we say believing God is faith? It's understanding in Him is no light. I mean, in Him is light and no darkness at all. What a slip that was. I apologize. In Him is light. God is light. It's not in God. God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. None. Not one bit. And when we got problems, we got to stop looking at other people. Because if my joy comes from what other people do and think about me, how much joy am I going to have? Only when they're willing to give it to me. But if my joy comes out of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I've got to love other people, fellowship with other people. It's going to be brought out over and over and over again through the Gospel of 1 John, through this epistle general, as it is called here. But there's always that. Here's what God does. If we say, we're wrong. Here's what God says. If we say something else, we're wrong. We've got to get a hold of this. If we want that joy... There's only one life in this world, eternal life. It's in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the message. If so many places we could go right now, but we just want to close this out. In him was light, and the light was the life of men. That's John chapter 1. So that eternal life is Jesus Christ. That eternal light is God Himself. If we walk in that light, if we are following God, it's going to bring us into a direct connection with other people who are following that same God. Amen? And when we have bumps, guess what? 
It's not my job to go around telling everybody else what they're doing wrong. You know what? That is the last thing we need. It's me getting alone with God and finding out what I did wrong. And you know what that does? That puts me back in fellowship with God. And with everybody else who's in fellowship with God. And if somebody chooses to leave that fellowship and go somewhere else, you know what? It's not my job to chase them and drag them back. If they won't come because they want to be obedient to Jesus Christ, I can't make them obedient. Amen? And that's why I often make the statement, and we'll end with this, that our church is a group of people who have been saved by Jesus Christ that are trying to struggle together to serve the Lord till He comes back. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this night. And Lord, there's some deep, deep things that we've talked about tonight. And yet, Lord, they're so very, very simple. Lord, I pray that we would not be those that have to talk and have to explain and have to... But, Lord, that we would be doers of Your Word and not hearers only. Lord, help us. We need that joy. In fact, we need that joy to be to the full, as it says here in the passage, that the joy may be full, that it would crowd these things out of our lives that steal our joy, that there be room for nothing else but the joy that Jesus wants us to have. That we would understand the message. And Lord, that we would stop trying to justify ourselves and our behavior but that we would confess our sins and understand your faithfulness, your justice. The fact that you not only forgive us for what we ask for, you forgive us for everything. Lord, help us to walk as little children in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, We'll have a verse on the piano. If you need to slip out of your seat, the altar's open.